Wings Up, a podcast about FAMU athletics, is here to talk about FAMU in a positive light, what's going on, and always keep you abreast as to the most up-to-date events related to FAMU athletics, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, or even FAMU golf. We're going to talk about it. We're going to bring it up to the light. We're going to share it so that you can brag and tell all your other friends in the swag that FAMU is the greatest school on this side of heaven. I'm Keith Hadley, and I am a graduate of Florida University, and I also run the FAMU Fifth Quarter on Twitter. Like the Twitter page, follow it, and make sure you share it with your friends so that they can keep up to date as to how great FAMU is, so that if they're not a Rattler, they can know their kids need to be. Greetings and salutations, another episode of Fangs Up here, and we got another signing on the basketball team, y'all. It, it's it's a good time to be a FAMU in right now, especially if you are a supporter of the women's basketball team, because despite all that which was said and all that which has been done, we've been actively recruiting people, and I, for one, am glad to see that and am glad to see a little bit of change there. We also have some news with the football program, not a lot. Just a little bit, but the students continue to come in as far as coming in on visits as well as getting offers out there. So Coach Rispress has been doing the Lord's work uh, to get these FAMU students in here or potential FAMU students, I should say, because they haven't signed yet. So that means they're not officially Rattlers. And we also have to go inside the den. Who are some D linemen that you should potentially look at? I got two transfers. One is a question mark because I can't see him on the roster, but I'm biased. And so I'm going to say his name. Anywho's. All right, y'all let's get this going before it's everlastingly too late. Uh, so first things first, family women's basketball has been very aggressive. We've signed four going on five players within the last week, pretty much about two weeks. That's actively flipping the roster. And that's something that needed to happen. All of the girls are not bad looking, if that's something that you're looking for. Uh, jokes. I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. There, uh, there is an inside joke there if you're familiar. But it's, it's a needed thing because last year we weren't very competitive, especially going into the end of the season, largely because of depth. And one of the things that you will notice within our acquisition process is that we've been able to pick up players partially for depth purposes as well as a player or two that can score. As I mentioned before in previous episodes, one of the big things I'm looking for is a person who can do somewhat of what MJ did for the men's basketball team and take over, score a lot of points, and be the primary ball handler as well as the primary point scorer. We need that, and hopefully we got that out of Miss James, the young lady from England. I've seen on her side where stuff is saying that she's committed to FAMU. I haven't seen anything on the FAMU side. So hopefully that's true because her film shows that she was scoring quite a bit. And we need buckets. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. As a fan, FAMU women's basketball, we need buckets. But the player we're going to sign is Ariana Grizzle. She's a 5'9 guard from Bill Crothers Secondary School in Toronto, Canada. But she's transferring from the University of Alabama. So she has SEC experience. She's played SEC minutes. And that also means that she's played against SEC caliber talent. And if you're not familiar, within women's basketball, as well as most sports, the Southeastern Conference is the best conference out there. And I'm not saying that 
as a person that is biased, if you know me, my favorite teams are FAMU and FSU. I have an affinity for the University of Kentucky. I I do. I I love UK athletics, but I'm more of a UK football fan than I am a UK basketball fan. But the Southeastern Conference has the best in all sports for every sport for the most part. We see just with baseball, college baseball, I believe the University of Mississippi just won a national championship. College football, Alabama is wrecking shop. NCAA basketball, the University of South Carolina, Don Staley, that sister is tearing it up. Sport after sport after sport, the Southeastern Conference is the best conference in college athletics overall for the most part. I would second that maybe to the Big Ten. Big Ten may be second, followed by potentially the Pac-12, ACC, somewhere in that nature. But if you're going to argue that the SEC is not the best conference in college athletics, you're going to be arguing a a tough fight. A tough. You're going to have a tough argument, and you're going to be arguing pretty much by yourself. Not many people are going to have your back on that because the data doesn't support that. And to be able to get student athletes that are coming from the SEC along with the Big Ten, two things. One Hopefully that's going to help our APR because especially in the case of the Big Ten, those schools tend to be kind of hard to get into as far as academic wise. I mean, that it just is what it is. Now, the University of Alabama ain't that. It, it ain't the toughest school in the SEC to get into, but they've done their things to get better and to try to make it a little more difficult to get in, even though because of the success of their football program, the Alabama recruiters will tell you, the number of people applying to that university is skyrocketed, and it's largely because of the success of the football program. So to be able to get one of their former athletes to come to FAMU, even if it's searching for minutes, is a big get. Again, you're talking four to five athletes on a team that consists of 12 to 15 people. You flipped over half the roster at a time that you really needed it. This was a time where Coach Pillow had to be able to show her worth as not just a coach, but as a recruiter. And again, I am missing the recruiting camp. I would love to have one of those just so that we can continue to build a rapport and a relationship with those that are affiliated with the university or may have an affinity for the university. But I'm also seeing quite a bit of senior leadership on this ba- on this basketball roster. Look at it. I mean, just go to the FAMU Athletics website and you're going to notice i'm looking right now and this ain't good podcasting but it's good math Uh, i'm seeing one two three four five six seven eight eight seniors on the roster over half your team is a bunch of seniors that's very good leadership potentially potentially i'm not saying it's a guaranteed thing that this is good leadership because some of them the personalities may or may not mesh But having senior leadership means potentially you have players that are experienced and players who understand that in the classroom, I got to get it done. And then on the court, I have to get it done. And that's something that family basketball sorely needs because another three, one season ain't going to cut it. Like I'm just being honest. I I like coach pillow a lot. I've said it before. If I see her in the street, what's up coach? How are you doing? She's going to get all of the, welcomes and all of the how are you doing but as a fan i need i need more than three wins three wins ain't gonna cut the mustard i i understand where we are as far as as a program and as far as what our level of competition is 
a 500 record is okay with me. And just being honest, I want to be the best in the nation, but considering where we are, how much we contribute to athletics, the disparity that does persist between our athletic programs, even when you compare it to schools like Florida State, hell, Florida and UCF are coming up now. It, the, the gulf is large between us. I'm understanding of that, but I'm not so understanding of that, that I'm able to accept mediocrity. I'm, I'm able to accept 500 for a few years, but at a certain point, I feel like we should push past that to become a better program. And the goal for me is to win the SWAC. If we start off by winning the SWAC, because Jackson State's got a stick over there. I'm, I'm just going to, they probably have the best athletic director in the conference. I got no, pro, I got no problem saying that. I don't think they have the best football coach. I think they have the best recruiter. <laughs> like, I'm just sorry. I think for his ability to just use his name to get into the door is a difference. Now, I think coach, our recruiting coordinator is the actual best recruiter in the SWAC, but ability to get students signed and in, you got to give it to Dion and what they're doing. But as far as beyond that, I think coach two bless is the best. I'm biased. We're going back to women's basketball. We can't, we, we can't accept three wins this year. Anything less than, especially considering the way the roster has been flipped already Anything less than 10 wins to me, it's a failure and it's another failure. It's an abject failure. I, I cannot accept that we can't win 10 games in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. The SWAC to me is not that good. It's not. It's it's not. Some of the teams we do play outside of conference are good. I'll, I'll contend with that. I have no problem accepting that when you're playing teams like Iowa State, heck, Florida, Florida State. Those are good basketball programs. Coach Wyckoff over there at Florida State, she's got a good program. But we didn't play a murderer's row last year. Just look at the look at the teams we played. I got I'm looking for some winning records, and I don't see a lot of teams that are just dominant college basketball powers. I don't. I, I just scrolling up and down. That being said, if we're not playing a bunch of teams that are a bunch of powers and we finished the season three and 25 overall to me, 10 and 15 ain't a lot to ask for. That's seven more wins. And I think coach pillow is doing what she can on this end to get that done. I just want to see more done as far as continuing to build the relationship with the coaches for the fans perspective. That's not me saying she's not doing it. I'm just saying from the outside looking in from a fan's perspective, I see the the football camps. I see the baseball camp. I see that. I think women, uh, women's softball is going to be having something. I could be misspeaking there, but I'm seeing some of our other sports are having camps and outreach activities. I want to see the same for the women's basketball. And I do understand it's an undertaking to do that, especially during the summer. Your students aren't here. Hopefully some of them aren't here. Hopefully, as our interim athletic director pointed out yesterday, some of them need to be here so they can get eligible, get that financial aid, get those six hours. If you're not familiar during the summer semester, the students have to take six hours of classes to be able to receive financial aid, but they don't get the full amount of aid money for six hours. I think it's 
nine hours during the summer, nine or 12. I don't remember. I haven't worked in financial aid in over seven going on six, seven years. So things have may have changed again. I'm a former financial aid rep. I'm not a current financial aid rep. So that being said, I do know they have to work at least six hours of classes to be able to get just the littlest bit of aid. And then hopefully some sorts of grants and tuition waivers help to balance everything out. So the students can get an even balance there, but back to the basketball program. I want to see us do more with that. I want to see us get to a place where we're actively winning games out of 25 games. I don't think I'm asking too much to win 15, 15 in is not a bad amount. Of, well, it's actually 28 games because it's, we had, we went 25, three and 25. So that's 28. So just saying 15 and 13 ain't bad. That's, that's a, that's, that's a winning record. That's something you can sell, sell the program on. And especially if you're winning, having winning records, you're probably having a pretty decent season in the conference. All of a sudden you're able to compete in recruiting against your opponents. And some of those opponents, it shouldn't be a conversation because you just have better basketball facilities. FAMU has one of the best arenas in the Southwestern athletic conference period. Size wise outwardly it's beautiful. I mean, it's really nice. Southern's arena is imposing. It looks very nice. The Academe at Alabama State University looks nice. Alabama A&M is getting a new gym as well. It's not going to be quite as big as Lawson, but it's going to be brand new. It's going to look very nice. But for the most part, fame, you should off facilities alone for basketball. It should, it shouldn't be a question. It should be, Hey, we got some of the best facilities in the Southwestern athletic conference. That, that alone is why one of the reasons you should come here. Not alone, not, not, that along with the fact that we are in the process of rebuilding the program and you can be a person that can get a lot of minutes, get some time on the court. And you have to kind of sell some of the success of Jackson State and state that we've recently seen where players from the Southwest Western Athletic Conference have been drafted by the into the WNBA and by those teams why not do come to FAMU and do the same thing and get some shine. And we publicize most of our games on some social media platform. You're going to be seen. I sell the university, sell the product for what it is, because that's how we're going to continue to get these recruits in that can flip the roster. I'd like to get a tall, another tall young lady onto the roster. I don't like saying big girl. That's to me that that gives a bad connotation. But another tall young lady, maybe somebody that's six four, six five, I think that would be a great help. I'm seeing a lot of five nines, which that's good height, especially for your guards. But what happens when we run into some of the larger teams that may have a taller athlete that's six three, six four for women's basketballs? That's a forward or a center. So hopefully we can get some of those, maybe one or two on the roster. I would love to have two, just so that you can kind of fluctuate or rotate them is the proper term that I'm looking at on and off the roster. But I congratulate coach pillow. I, I, I definitely listened a few weeks ago. I told y'all I listened to Scotty's thing and they had had my coach on milk Cratons and all the other stuff and or milk, milk, uh, <laughs> the milk boxes and making fun of her and the jokes were earned. They were warranted, but man, 
she is quietly making a comeback and I, I commend her and I'm looking forward to that. So shout out to uh, Coach Pillow and the women's basketball program. We're going to take a break, y'all. I don't normally start off with women's basketball, but we got to start out with them sometimes. Sometimes I got to give her credit and make sure I give them the proper shine. We're going to take a break, y'all. This is Fangs Up. All right, y'all. Welcome back. We don't normally start the show by talking about women's basketball, but what can I say? Coach Pillow's on a run. Now, what normally brings the fans and puts the butts in the seats is FAMU football. The FAMU football has been aggressive as ever and aggressive as always. And to me, this is the new norm. My biggest issue with our football program right now, we're getting students to come in and go on visits, but we're not getting the commits that we were before. Could it be due to roster limitations and waiting on for some waiting on some students to get academically eligible? Could be. I'm not sure, but I will share that publicly at this point, seeing the way Alabama A&M has shored up its roster and been able to bring in almost 30 transfers and especially so many transfers in the last couple of weeks. I'm a little OK. They're coming in. But are we signing them? And that's not a criticism. That's just me saying openly and honestly that I want to be able to sign more of these students that are coming in. Mentioning those students that are coming in, we had two that were able to get offers. A 2023 recruit, Avery Stewart. He is a 6'2", 174-pound DB from Alabama Christian Academy in Montgomery, Alabama. 2023 three-star corner. And he's got a lot of offers. And I kind of want to see what that turns into because Honestly, when a student gets a lot of offers, it doesn't normally work very well for most HBCUs. Now, it worked well for Jackson State lately, but again, how does this turn out for FAMU? Because as of late, when we're on students that have 20 or 30 offers, it doesn't work out in favor of the FAMUans. So we're going to see with that. I'm hoping that we do get more traction and we're able to get him into the into the den, get him into the Rattler den and have him become a part of the family. Another player is a tight end and he is Javante Connor or Conyer, 6'4", 230-pound tight end, almost a defensive end, from East Forsyth High School. That's in Kennersville, North Carolina. He's a three-star athlete. He actually recently decommitted from the University of Central Florida. And that's going to be interesting. I'm wondering if he just got bigger offers, but he did get an offer from FAMU. And I want to see how that sticks because, as I noted, not the last show, but the show show before that, FAMU did not do a very good job of using the tight ends as far as in the offense. They scored touchdowns. We had one who had like four or five touchdowns. But as a unit, they had less than 200 yards. We're going to see how the addition of Goss and the other tight ends affects that and what's going to happen going forward with that. But mm, got questions there as far as what's going to go on with the offense and with recruiting of tight ends. Because, again, if we don't use them, you lose them. That's just any type of position. If I don't use a quarterback that's a pocket passing quarterback and I run the option, guess what? I'm not going I'm only going to get a certain kind of quarterback. So we don't or have not utilized the tight end very much. That could be something that is purposeful going into the new football season that we maybe make that a point of focus to say, hey, we're going to focus on using the tight end more often. I'm interested to see how that comes out. 
And I want to see what we do with that. Now we're going to go from there straight to the den. Short episode for a Thursday, but it is what it is, y'all. Y'all know I, I got to make sure I give you some heat twice a week. I can't, I can't let y'all start uh, thinking less of me or thinking I don't care as much as I do. Now inside the den, who are some defensive linemen you need to keep an eye on? I got one and a possible. Okay, y'all. I know this ain't spades. I know this ain't spades, but I got one and a possible. That's what I got right now. It's, we got a lot of D linemen. Some of them left, but I got one and a possible. The one is Dre Jones. He is actively on the roster. 6'4", 277-pound defensive end from Abilene Christian College, Abilene Christian University, and now, I believe, over there in Texas. But he's from Manchester, Georgia. He played in nine games. He had 10 solo tackles, 13 assists. This dude had 23 tackles. At 6'4", 277, that's a monster. I don't know if you play him inside or outside at FAMU. That's just me because if you put that guy next to General Hunt, and some of the other guys we got there, that doesn't replace Savian Williams, but it comes dang gum near close. I'm just saying him, Stanley Mentor, that's a nice defensive line group that you could put in the middle. That's three solid dudes that you could put in there and have three down linemen and sometimes have a five-line front at times. And depending on what you do with Isaiah Land, he is an edge rusher. That could be some fun. Like I'm just saying, put those guys in front of an Isaiah Land to eat up space or to create pressure for defensive offensive lines. Sorry, that that that's a good tactic. So, so a 6'4", 277-pound defensive lineman that's got college experience is a good thing, and I really look forward to it. I want to see what the, what does that turn into, and that's why he's one of my guys to watch out for because. Obviously, he doesn't return to FAMU. He's coming. He's transferring in from Abilene Christian University. So keep an eye out for him. He is a definite guy that you're going to want to keep an eye on. I believe his number is number 40. Let me check the stat sheet. He may, he may change his number because that's not a traditional defensive line number. Yeah, he was listed as number 40. So keep an eye out for number 40. That's going to be a guy you definitely want to look for and you want to see going into next season. Another guy, and I can't find him on the roster. He was a transfer. He transferred from University of Central Florida. Then he transferred to a JUCO. And supposedly he's transferring to FAMU. He's from Orlando, Florida. He attended Jones High School, Raymond Cuts. And man, if this guy can get on the roster, he's got a motor. I, I've I've had the benefit of watching him play in high school and watched him several games and he could be a difference maker just because he's got good size he, he's got violent hands and he's got that want to and he's got that little bit of nasty to him if we can get his grades right and everything going good that dude could be a difference maker I, i'm just saying i i'm I, I he has a potential huge side i'm very up on him huge upside i'm very big on him as a recruit and as a guy that comes in on the edge that could really help be a good bookend that he he's he's like i said good violent hands six two so he's not huge but he's not small good edge rusher pretty long arms for a defensive end he's just if we can get him to make sure his stuff is straight we got it we got a gym right there so those are two guys that i definitely think you need to look out for keep be on the lookout to see if we can get cuts 
in here for the fall just because that is a potential of having two major defensive linemen. And as we've seen, FAMU's defensive line makes a difference. It made a difference last year. We saw the difference against Jackson State. Jackson State scored seven points against FAMU. And a lot of it was because the defensive line was there. I mean, they were giving Shadur hell all game. It was it was fun to watch. And I'm not saying I was I'm not saying watch from from home. I was at the stadium. I was at the game and it was noticeable from the stands like, yo, this defensive line's good. Like, whoa, this is if we if we if we kick if we make a field goal, we win the dang gum game. So it's gonna be interesting to see though, because we all know Dion's been actively pushing to replace student athletes. I mean, they they're not playing over there. They they flipped that roster pretty solid. And even Dion acknowledged our offensive line was not the best. So what 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 what's gonna happen with that? Because FAMU's bringing back a good amount of his defensive linemen. You lose your best defensive interior lineman. Y'all already know. I, Savion Williams is my guy. I'm I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to contact him, get him on the show, just because that's my guy. That's that was my guy. No homo. But that's my dude. Like that was my my favorite player on the roster last year. I, I I'm just gonna say that out loud as far as like on the field, being disruptive, like just dude was a difference maker. But for this season, I ain't gonna lie. Bowler's my guy. <laughs> I'm I'm a bowler fan. I'm sorry, both of them. But I'm below six feet, so you already know. BJ Bowler is gonna be my dude this year. I'm definitely gonna be. I'm gonna be fangirling out a little bit sometimes. I'm gonna be like, "Yo, that's my dude right there. That that that's my dude." Like, yeah. So I, I, I'm like y'all, man. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So I just turned my fandom into something, something more, something that promotes the university as well as I can and as often as I can. So, uh, but the two guys you need to look out for, Dre Jones. Yeah, look out for him. He might be a Savian Williams type cat that might be that kind of difference maker, especially, again, pairing him with a sophomore, Gentle Hunt. Not a, not a junior, not a senior. Gentle Hunt's a sophomore. 5'11", 295 pounds, something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good pairing. I'm for that. And then that going along with Justin Cooks, he's a defensive end. I think that's going to be some fun. And I mentioned Stanley Mentor, the 6'2", 320-pound defensive tackle from Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida's own Maynard Evans High School. I'm not from Orlando, so I say Maynard Evans. It's Evans, though. If you, if you catch me on the street, oh, you with Evans? I'm not going to say Maynard Evans. It's just Evans. That dude could be another one. Uh, stay in the weight room. FAMU's defensive line alone could be a huge problem for a lot of teams in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And it's because of those contributions and those guys. Now, let us begin to wrap up the show y'all but we're going to do a little preseason look up and give y'all something to think about in the preseason we're going to take a break y'all one more time and then we're going to finish up talking about our first team of the season the university of north carolina at chapel hill this is thanks up all right y'all welcome back we're going to finish up by starting our season preview i kind of talked about you know those w's and l's and who i thought and you would and would not beat but we didn't go into a lot of detail about who it was 
and things like that. Well, the season opens against the University of North Carolina. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's no snowball chance in hell that I'm going to be at that game unless somebody pays me a substantial amount of money to be there because it's going to be a molly whopping. I'm just, I'm not into watching my team get drugged. I'm just not. I'm just, I could lie to y'all or I could be real. University of North Carolina game is a great measuring stick game to be able to see what your top talent can do against other top level talent. Now, the big thing with the UNC is they got the same coach. He's been there for years and he sure as hell can't beat Florida State University. I'm not going to lie. I believe part of it is because he's an FSU alumni and he just takes it easy. He's like, oh, man, that's my school. And yeah, I'm talking about Mac Brown. Uh, from all I've ever heard, he's a very nice guy, but he sure as hell can't beat the Florida State Seminoles. And guess who's not playing the University of North Carolina in their first game? The Florida State Seminoles. So that's going to be a molly whopping. But the position to look at is going to be quarterback and the way in which FAMU does have a edge or a lean in this game is the defensive line. The defensive line preview just happens to coincide with when I want to talk about UNC. And honestly, if FAMU's defensive line can cause some pressure or get some pressure against UNC, all of a sudden the game has now been leveled because FAMU's secondary is good. I like Bowler. And UNC has an amazing cornerback over uh, receiver over there, Downs. And I'm not going to lie, I'm using Athon Sports there because I don't follow UNC like that. You already know what's up, y'all. I'm a fan of UNC through and through. But they're bringing back a top receiver, and Downs is their big guy. He is their big play receiver. He's their go-to guy. He is the man that you need to look for on that is going to be wearing the Carolina blue and white. Argyle, whatever colors and uniform combinations that they're going to be wearing. That's the guy to look for. And UNC had a disappointing season last year. UNC supposedly started out the season top 10. They finished going six and seven, which is not impressive because they were supposed to run the ACC. They were. Wake Forest was not supposed to do all that, even though uh, their quarterback came back like that. UNC was supposed to win the conference, running away, going away, and it was supposed to be either them or Clemson. That Those were the two teams that were supposed to be the impact teams in the ACC, and neither of them make the ACC championship. The ACC championship went to Pittsburgh last year, and their quarterback ends up getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But this game is big because UNC's receiver is a big deal. Like that, That's their guy. Josh Downs is the man, and the question is, are you going to pack? Are you going to pair him against B.J. Bowler or the other Bowler brothers or one of the other corners? Like, who are you going to match up against them? Because that's going to be their go-to guy, and can FAMU's defensive line cause pressure on either one of their quarterbacks? Because they just lost a big-time quarterback, quarterback Sam Howell, the guy who spurned Florida State to go to UNC. He stayed at UNC and. He got drafted. I don't think he actually got drafted. I could be wrong, but he's with the Washington Commanders. Y'all know how hard it was not to say Redskins, but he he ends up getting picked up by the Commanders, and he may get a shot there. He he, he had a he was a gunslinger, high turnover average, but we're gonna see. They UNC has two quarterbacks. Gene Chizik is their offensive coordinator, and if you're not familiar or don't remember or like I know that name from somewhere, Gene Chizik. University, Auburn University, Cam Newton, national championship coach. I think he's kind of the coach in waiting, if you ask me, but that's just me. But they have two quarterbacks. 
One is Drake May and the other one is Jacoby Criswell. And look for this to be an opportunity for them to kind of measure who's going to be the starting quarterback going into the season. And it just makes sense. Like, honestly, if I'm FAMU, if this game gets out of hand, I'm throwing quarterbacks in there as well. Like, there's no point in not trying it. Who's who's better? Because if I can get Junior and uh, McKay some time, I'm going to do it. And especially if I get Musa some minutes as well. I'm going to throw as many quarterbacks at the problem as possible. So it's a measuring stick game for both because they're going to follow with Appalachian State. And Appalachian State is tough. That's a good program, y'all. And they're actually going to Boone, which that's a surprise to me. But, again, this is about FAMU, not about them. So the big things to look at, can FAMU's defensive line get any pressure against the University of North Carolina? Secondly, how does FAMU's secondary do against Josh Downs, their big-time receiver, their all-everything, all-ACC receiver. Side note, look out for one Kamari Morales. Now, Kamari Morales, if you're not familiar, is a Lincoln High School product, and he's actually pretty much in Tallahassee. Now, if you look at his profile, it says Buck Lake, and I'm here for it, man. I get it. I get it. You repping your neighborhood, but there there is no Buck Lake, Florida. It's Tallahassee, like the kids from Tallahassee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But look for Kamari Morales to get some time and to get some looks because he is a 6'1", it says 175 uh, tight end. Uh, I don't know about 175. Okay, yeah, 242. I'm like, "Mm, y'all done lied about that. But yeah, he's six. He's a six foot one tight end, 242 pounds. I'm like that boy looked beefier than that. And he's a junior. It says Buck Lake, Florida, but he's from Tallahassee. Buck Lake's a neighborhood for all those who are not familiar. It's not a city. It's just a neighborhood. Just like when somebody says they're from Pine Hills, Florida, they're from Orlando. It's a neighborhood. But he attended Lincoln High School and he's a target. Like they they feature that kid a lot. And he's a good dude, like as far as like talent wise, and look for him to make an impact because he's solid. He's got good hands, solid blocker. He had a couple plays last year and catches that I was like, okay, you could tell they they actually purposely target him in the offense. And that's going to be an interesting matchup, him going against in in, in Isaiah Land, because the, the questions have been asked, can Isaiah Land cover? Is he strictly a pass rusher? And for, for his size and his mobility, he needs to be able to do both to – have a shot at the next level just because he's not a 240 pound player. I think Isaiah Lane is like 210, 220. So he's got linebacker size, but he's fast and he's very, very disruptive. But can he cover? Look for Kamari Morales to be another guy that you're going to have to watch out for. And the only reason I know about him is because I'm a Lincoln High School graduate. So I'm biased, but I also watch the games. I'm like, yo, all right, there goes our dude. Like he keeps scoring. Like they actually target him. So look for those two downs and Morales on that offense are going to be dudes that FAMU's defense needs to pay attention to, like just straight up because Morales does not have imposing size. He's 6'1", but what he does is he's very shifty. He's smart. He knows where he should be, and he knows how to sit down in coverage. One of the things he specialized in last season, especially dealing with their quarterback, was being able to see that, okay, I was not in a good place. Let me sit down in this position in coverage, 
make myself open, catch the ball, and then get yards after contact. I think the guy uh, yards after catching the ball. I think the guy's like a four five, four six athlete. Again, he's not huge size wise, but he is able to position himself so that he is a good pass catching option. And he's a good. He's got good hands. I really good, really good talent. So those are the big guys on UNC's offense that I personally would have would have you look at, and I would pay attention to. Now UNC's defense, and it was supposed to be really good, but they, their defense ain't been that great. Uh, I'm just gonna say like UNC's defense, mm, they they lack a lot to be desired from what I saw last year. But this year, especially going against a lesser a team with fewer scholarships and that at times had problems on the offensive line, I think they're going to do very well against FAMU. I think one of the things that we're going to have to do is, especially with McKay, is work on getting the ball out of his hands quick. He's got it. He can't hold the ball. He can't take too much time to read. He may have to have plays that are quick reads and we got to be careful running that screen because those corners are going to be jumpy. They're going to be looking for the screen because they know our receivers are short and they understand that when you have shorter receivers, you have a tendency to, to throw those routes and look to be careful with that. Be careful with that. Also because of the way NCAA rules and football rules are in general, the slant is now an option. Are your receivers, do they have the gusto to, to just go over the middle and throw, throw caution to the wind, but then also can you utilize your tight ends? You now have a big-time tight end that is out to prove himself after having a season at Florida State. Can he come in there, and I'm speaking of Goss, and be a difference maker? And your other tight end is a touchdown maker. What happens with that? Because you have two tight ends that are difference makers. You have a receiving core that, while they are not very large, once they get the ball in space, they can make plays. But how do they measure up against FBS-level talent? coming from FCS level talent. We saw, honestly, against USF, fam, you looked very good. USF was trash, though. They weren't a good football team. I mean, I don't mind saying that. But FAMU's advantage to me is going to be our tight ends. Kamari Young, as well as Jalen Goss, are going to be two guys that can get into the UNC defense, especially in the middle area, and probably raise a little sand. I don't think K-Dot is going to be able to get a lot of space. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I, I don't think him or Davis are really going to be able to be big-time difference makers in this game. I don't even know about how well Manigo is going to be able to do. I think Manigo's size is going to be a benefit, and as well as Davis. Manigo is about 6'3". Davis goes about 6'1". But our shorter receivers are going to have problems with, with their secondary potentially. But – UNC supposedly has young linebackers is from what I'm reading. And I'm wondering, can our ability to ah, can our ability to maybe confuse some of their youthful players be an asset for us? Uh, can how does that work for us? And how does their their desire to potentially prepare for Appalachian State, how can that benefit us? I think the game is close early on. I think after the first quarter, UNC is probably up 14 to three, but I think the game gets away from us in the second half. Uh, specialist wise, I, I really don't care. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, special teams in a game like this doesn't matter to me. 
other than punt returns and kick returns. That that's going to be your big thing because that's where size and speed start becoming a big factor. But as far as kickers, I don't care. Uh, I like our kickers. I love our kickers. But I'm saying they're kickers wise. I don't care about their kickers. I, I don't factor them in because a lot of times these type of games are exhibitions for the kickers. Can you kick a 60 yard field goal? Let's try it against FAMU. Like that kind of stuff. But the big thing is going to be punt return and kick return. And specialties wise, I'm going to be honest with you kick the ball out of bounds. Like don't, don't even give the dude a chance. If you're punting, kick the ball out of bounds. Just put that bit in the corner somewhere. If you shank it, you shank it. But kick the ball out of bounds because we we know special teams wise they're going to have an advantage and that's really where players get hurt it's not the so much offense and defense it's special teams wise because you got 230 pound guys that are running full speed down the field looking to hit somebody as hard as they can and you got guys who are turning backwards who really are in positions where they can't defend themselves properly that's where your players are going to get hurt if you're punting, kick the flipping ball out of bounds. If you're doing kickoffs, try to put it in the back of the end zone if possible or in the corner of the end zone so that, honestly, it's at a space where the ball can go out of bounds. Like, at all times, in this kind of game, it's better to leave the game, get beat by 50, and have all your players come back healthy than it is to try to be prideful and say, oh, nope, 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 not going to take this ill today. So uh, that's where I'm at with it with the University of North Carolina game. I'm going to say this game is going to be a 50. I think FAMU gets, I think we get about, top of my head, I'm going to give us 14, being nice. I think we get 14 points. I think UNC goes above 50. So we're going to say 52 to 14 off the top of my head. And, yeah, let me write that on the screen here. So for me, UNC – 52 to 14. I think UNC pulls away from FAMU. And I, you might hear me typing that on the computer screen. So I'm going to ride out with that. So if you can get a good 30 point point spread on this game, take it. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think UNC is going to struggle with us too much. I don't think they overlook us that much. I think it's a game where eventually the talent and the depth on the roster just overcomes us and becomes something that we cannot get away from. So that is it, y'all. Uh, I give I give you your guys to look out for, and I've given you a first preseason lookout. We're going to do this for the rest of the season. Keep talking about who are the teams that we how do we favor against the other teams, and who are the players that you need to look out for. I know I saw recently where the Democrat kind of like, hey, we got a quarterback battle, but I I, I said that. So y'all, if you're with Fangs up, you're already on it. And if you're not following the FQ family Twitter page, what are you doing? I'm active on there every day. I drop some on there every day. If you're not following the Fangs Up Twitter page, what are you doing? Websites coming up and HBCU Digital. You need to follow them as well. They are a proud supporter of the program and they have been doing some major things. We're getting uh, episodes up there for that platform as well. So, Thank y'all. I'm actually on my way to Tallahassee. Hopefully I can sneak on campus and get some pictures. And I'm not, I'm being facetious about sneaking. I'm just trying to walk on there and get some pictures and uh, show maybe some pictures of the stadium. And I saw one, one of my boys, Tyrone, uh, FAMU Central Pod. He got some pictures up there of the locker room. Not going to say I'm not jealous, my guy. I, I'm happy for you, though. He's a good dude. And 
hopefully I can do some of the same though. I want to get some pictures. I want to take some pictures. I want to take some pictures of the baseball field. So I'm going to see, hopefully I can hit up Josh and uh, do some things like that. But that being said, y'all, it is Fangs Up. Thank you for listening. I'm on my way to Tallahassee. Y'all follow along. I'm going to show y'all maybe some places to go up there, hit up the Tasty Pastry, maybe hit up the $5 barbecue spot as well. E and J $5 barbecue tasty pastry and it's going to be pulled chicken Friday at Metro Deli tomorrow. So none of these companies sponsor me, but if they want to, sure. Thanks. Appreciate it. But I'm going to pop up on y'all tomorrow. So definitely pulling up the uh, Metro Deli and I might go live and just talk about it and be like, yo, if you come to Tallahassee, some places you need to hit. Anyways, y'all, as always, it's going to be fangs up.